Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Today is kind of a unique day for us, y'all, at Real Life, Real Crime. Last night, we surpassed 200,000 downloads, and that was on the anniversary eve of, or six-month anniversary eve from when we released the podcast on February 9th. So pretty impressive. I love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. I have been out of town and out of the state and out of the country for three weeks straight. And we barely got the episodes out the last two weeks. And so this week, I just simply ran out of time. What I'm going to do is release one of our patron episodes that were locked up patron members and it's a very good one it's a tough one to hear but it's a good case uh patron members i love y'all i don't i don't want you to think you're getting punished for it but i promise you within 24 hours i will have you two new episodes a full length episode and a shorter funnier episode locked up to replace it on patron by this time tomorrow or by the time you listen to this tomorrow so with that being said, I love y'all and I appreciate you. You're a bunch of lifers passing 200,000 in six months. It's amazing. You, I, I just love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. But let me tell you something before we get started. i got to tell you about a podcast that I'm loving and it's called Fresh Hell Podcast. And it is by Annie and Johanna. I don't know how to say her name. I, I, if it was a Cajun name, I probably could say it, but it's Annie and Johanna. And listen, y'all, really well done podcast. And their latest episode is about the Axpen of New Orleans. And I actually read a letter, did the voiceover for the letter for this episode. Uh, so y'all go check it out and listen to it. It's really, really well done. So let me introduce you to them now, Annie and Johanna. From Fresh Hell, the podcast. Hi, we're the hosts of the Fresh Hell podcast. I'm Annie in Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm Johanna in Vienna, Austria. Join us every Wednesday for a new terrible story. I focus mostly on cases in the U.S., and not just true crime like the terrifying axe murders on Smutty Nose Island, but also shocking stories like the New Jersey shark attacks of 1916. And I love to tell you about more obscure European cases. And let me tell you, Germany has produced more cannibals than one would think. Mm, so if you're a fan of true crime, but you also enjoy terrible stories of all sorts, give us a listen. We'll tell you everything you need to know and then some. Come find Fresh Hell Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Auf Wiedersehen. See you soon. All right, y'all. There they are. Fresh Hell, the podcast. Go check them out. Like them. Subscribe them. And... Leave them a review and let them know that real life, real crime, the podcast and Woody Overton sent you. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate y'all. And y'all, they also did a really awesome promotion for us this week. So check it out. It's on the latest episode, The Axeman of New Orleans, episode 22. But thank you, ladies. So without further ado, I'm going to 
let you hear one of our patron episodes. And I hope y'all enjoy it. Love y'all. Thanks for everything. Warning, each episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast, will contain descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature and are for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. These Facts I'm retelling were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this bonus patron episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And if you're listening to this, that means you are a tier three or four patron member. And I really, really appreciate your support. It really helps us out, y'all. And I thank you for it. And just can't tell you how much I love and appreciate each and every one of you. So today's story is titled Babysitter. In 2007, I was working as a detective with the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. And I was on the weekend shift with my partner, Detective Brad Truel. And we split up the weekend shift, y'all. Friday night, I covered the shift from 3 to midnight. And Brad Truel, my partner, covered it until like 7 or 8 a.m. in the morning. And then I was on a call during the daytime. Or actually working, if you will, again until he came back out in the evening. But that Saturday morning, I was on the call part and Brad was answering any detective calls. When I say on call, I mean on standby. It should Brad need my help. And the only way we would call each other out is if it was something major. There were a lot of calls we'd handle, thefts or whatever, that one detective could handle it. We didn't bother the other one. And Brad Truel was a great partner. He had made Detective of the Year before, and I knew if he called me, it was going to be something bad. So I was like 7 o'clock that morning, and my pager went off. I was already up anyway, about to go 10-8 or on, on duty. And pager goes off, and it says 1021 
Brad, 1021, let's give him a call. So I called him and I said, what you got? And he said, well, we got a 911 call of a burned baby. And I said, okay, what's the deal? And he said, I don't know all the details yet. He said, I'm, I'm headed to Holden to the residence where it happened at. I said, well, where's the baby? I said, is it dead? He said, no, they took it to the Children's Hospital in New Orleans. I said, well, hold up before you go over there. I said, let's meet up and tackle it together because burn babies are never good, right? We didn't know any specific details of how bad or anything like that. So we met up, and I'm not going to use any names in this episode, y'all, of the bad guy or the family because I don't know today what the status of that baby is, but naturally it would be probably 11 or 12 years old. So for those reasons, I'm not going to use it. We went to the residence in Holden, Louisiana, which is not even a town. It's just a name given on the map to a geographical area on the east side of the parish, really rural. And when we pulled up and it was a trailer, we knock on the door and a young guy answers the door. By young, I mean like 19, 20 years old. He was tall, skinny, had blonde hair, pimples on his face, et cetera. We introduced ourselves and said, hey, I'm Detective Overton. This is Detective Brad Truel. Can you tell me what happened with the baby? And he was like, uh, I said, can we come in? And he was like real, almost evasive. So I knew Right away, something was fucked up. So we go in and just real kid gloved him, right? And just non-threatening, just trying to get some information. So didn't advise him his rights. At this time, we didn't know he was a suspect. And so I just said, can you tell me what happened? And he said, well, um, my girlfriend got in from work this morning and she went to check on the baby and there was something wrong with it. I said, okay. I said, well, who was with the baby? You know, who was here before? Your girlfriend got home. And he said, well, it's just me. I said, are you the daddy of the baby? And he said, no. And I said, well, how old's the baby? And he said, 11 months old. I said, okay. Um, what was it exactly that was wrong with it? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. And I said, all right. So was anybody else here last night with you? And he said, nope. I was here by myself. I said, so it's just you and the baby. He said, yeah, me and the baby. I said, so you're babysitting the baby, basically, and where was your girlfriend? He said, she was at work. She works at Walmart, the night shift. I said, all right. I said, when you saw the baby last night, was it okay? So yeah, yeah, it was fine. The baby was fine. And just being real quick and dismissive of my answers. And I was like, all right, so you were definitely here by yourself. I said, were the doors locked? Was there any chance anybody else got in the residence last night? He said, no, no, no. He said, I was, I slept right here on the couch. Nobody came in. And I said, and you didn't see anything about the baby this morning. I said, nope, I don't know anything about it. He said, I just know that she got home and she went to check on the baby and she freaked out. She called her mama and then her mama came over and they called 911 and ambulance took the baby. At this point, I was like, man, fuck it. I'm not going to ask him anything else. I already established the fact that he says nobody else could have came in and harmed the baby and that's it. He didn't know anything. Well, I knew he was full of shit. And Brad knew he was full of shit. And Brad did ask me, he said, so what time did you put the baby to sleep last night? And he said, oh, probably like 8 or 9 p.m. And Brad said, did you check on the baby during the night? He said, nope, no need to check on it. The baby was asleep. Everything was fine. And I said, okay, look, they took him to the Children's Hospital in New Orleans. He said, yes, sir. That's where I believe they took him. I said, all right, well, we appreciate your time and thank you. And 
Uh, I said, are you going to be around today? He said, yeah, I don't have a car. And he said, I live here with her and she has the car and she took it to New Orleans. Her and her mama did. I said, all right. So we go outside and Brad's like, man, I wonder how bad this is going to be. And I said, there's no telling, dude. I said, obviously we got to roll to Children's and find out. So we loaded up in Brad's unmarked unit and we drove the distance to New Orleans. That's probably an hour to an hour and a half to Children's Hospital in New Orleans, whereas it only takes about 45 minutes to get to New Orleans proper itself. But Children's is so far off the beaten path, if you will, way down on the banks of the Mississippi River, but there's no easy access to it. It's down past Audubon Park. It's not like you you can take a quick exit off the interstate and be there. You take the exit off the interstate and it's like six or seven miles of really shitty roads and stop signs and all that to get there. And Children's Hospital has been around forever. It's old, pretty much outdated. But you get there, we park in the police park and we go in and badge yourselves. That's security desk said, hey, look, we got a report of a burned baby they brought in. And we need to go find out and talk to the doctors and see what's up. And so they took us up to the trauma unit and the charge nurse came out and I explained who we were what we were looking at and she said this is really really sad and i said well can you tell me what happened she said that baby is burnt bad and i'm like what do you mean i mean like burned and she's like the skin's burned off of it i said where's the family and she said the mama's here in the room with the baby the grandmother would would not let her in at this time because of the trauma and they're treating the baby and what have you so the grandmother's out in the waiting room i said well look we really need to talk to the doc before we talk to the mom to find out about the injuries specifically and what the doctor is saying before we go in and talk to the mom. She said, that's fine, but let me get him. You might have to wait a few minutes because they're working on the baby. I said, that's cool, whatever. So we waited and the doctor came out in, it was an older, I think Vietnamese guy. And we introduced ourselves and said, hey doc, can you tell us what happened? I said, this is what we know. And is that boyfriend was alone with the baby last night. And he said he put the baby to bed around eight or 9 p.m. And he didn't know anything about it. The mom came in from work this morning, checks on the baby and the baby's burn. He said, well, that guy's lying to you. I said, well, he already told us nobody else could get in the house and nobody else came in the house. And he said, this baby is burned. And I said, can you explain that to us? And he said, yeah. He said, like, all over his chest, his legs and his privates, the skin is burned off. And third degree, I think it's called. And again, y'all, I'm not a medical doctor, so if I get that wrong, whatever. I, I mean, I worked a lot of burned bodies, but they were all dead. So he said, this baby was held to a heat source. He said, probably water or boiling water. It looks like it, it's been scalded. Is, is what he said. I said, okay. And I said, he's going to live. He said, yeah, I mean, unless there's some serious complication, he said, but he's going to be scarred for the rest of his life and they're going to have to do skin grafts or whatever. He said, the baby's going to be in the hospital for a long, long time. He said, it's pretty horrible injuries. And uh, he said, I hope you get the bastard that did this. And I said, well, don't worry, we will. And I said, can we go in the room and talk to the mom? He said, yeah, we just cleared out and we'll give you a few minutes. So he took us to the room and introduced us to her. And as soon as she saw the badges on her belts and the guns, now we wore regular clothes, y'all, just on, on the weekends, we kind of dressed down, we just dressed slacks and, and nice shirts and our badges on our belt and duty weapon. 
we didn't have uniforms is what I'm telling you. But she sees the badges. And before I could even introduce myself, her eyes go big like a saucer, right? And then so I, I let Brad take the lead on it. And Brad said, hey, look, I'm Detective Truel. This is part of Detective Overton. We understand that your baby got burned. And she said, oh, no, no, absolutely not. There's nothing wrong with my baby. And I was like, okay. And Brad said, well, let's have a look at it. The mom, like, jumps in front of the bed that the baby's in, right? I can't really call it a bed. It's like one of those glass things. She positions herself in front of it and raises her hand in a defensive manner. She says, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with my baby. My baby's absolutely fine. I said, okay, all right. So that's fine. You saying your baby's fine. I said, but tell me why you're here then. There was no way that she was going to let us close to the baby without causing some type of scene. And she said, well, I came home from work and um, I went to check on the baby and the baby wasn't responsive and, but it was kind of making a, a noise. I said, well, kind of explain it to me. She said, it was kind of like a new and noise, kind of like a, I don't know. She said, it was just weird. She said, so I called my mama and my mama came over and saw the baby and she said, we have to call 911. And so they called 911 and the ambulance came and my mama drove my car and I rode in the ambulance with my baby to here. I said, okay. I said, so tell me about the guy that's at your house, your boyfriend. She said, well, that's my boyfriend. He's been my boyfriend for a couple months. I said, so he's not the baby's daddy. And she said, no. And I said, and you work at Walmart? And she said, yeah, I work the night shift. And I said, so he was babysitting basically for you last night. And she said, yeah. And I said, did he tell you anything was wrong with the baby? Or when he put it to sleep, she said, no. I asked him, what did you do to the baby? And he said, I didn't do anything. He said, the baby was fine when I put it to sleep. And I said, okay. And I mean, she was, I think the girl was in shock more than anything. She didn't know what to do or what to say. I think she thought that she was in trouble. And she said, I would never leave a bad person with my baby. I would never leave a bad person with my baby. He's a good person. I said, okay, I'm not saying he's not a good person. I said, well, we get a call down here about an injured baby. We have to come check and see. And she said, well, there's nothing wrong with my baby. I said, that's cool. I said, I understand that. And she was almost to the point of hysterics and denying that there was anything wrong with her child. So just wanted to lock her into her statement. And I said, look, I just need to take a quick tape statement from you. And then you just tell me exactly what you just said. And I said, so turn the recorder on. I said, it's Detective Overton with Detective Truel. And we're here at Children's Hospital in New Orleans at such, such date, such, such time. And we're taking a tape recorded statement of the mother of this child. And I said, ma'am, what's your name? And she gave her name. I said, what's the baby's name? And she gave the baby's name. I said, can you tell me? What happened? And she said, I left for work yesterday evening and I left him with my boyfriend. And when I got home this morning, I went to check on it and the baby was making a funny noise. And I called my mama and then they brought us down here. I said, okay. I said, so did your boyfriend say anything to you about anybody coming in the house or anybody doing anything to the baby? She said, no. And he didn't do anything to the baby either. He didn't do anything. I said, okay. And she said, I wouldn't let him stay with my baby if he was going to do something bad to it. I said, okay, that's fine. I said, but he's not the baby's father. And she said, no, he's not the father. I said, but there was no way like the baby's father could have came over and caused some kind of harm to the baby or anybody else. She said, no, nobody came to my house. She said, I just found him, the baby and the baby's going to be fine. She said, my baby's going to be fine. There's no even reason for y'all to be here. My baby's going to be fine. And 
I just kind of wrapped up the statement because I knew we weren't going to get anywhere with her. But I also knew my heart of heart, she didn't have shit to do with it. When we concluded the statement, Brad said, do you mind if we get some photographs? And she just did her arms out again. And she said, no, 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 no. And I kind of touched Brad and, and I said, that's okay. I said, we don't, we don't need photographs. I said, it's fine. You just take care of your baby. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Just like you said. And, and if we need to talk to you again, we'll talk to you later. And so we left, went out in the hallway and I, and I told him, I said, dude, I said, she's got like in shock, right? And uh, obviously her baby's in the burn unit or the trauma center at Children's in New Orleans. So the injuries are going to be bad. And he said, what about the photographs? I said, we don't need them. I said, the hospital's going to photograph everything and it'll all be documented. So, and child services and everything else are, are going to be, have to come in and do their part. I said, so what we need to do is go back and try to get the shit, the juice out of this guy, if you will. And the juice is what I call a confession. And we talked about it on the way back and came up together collectively that we should approach him, kid glove him, and then advise him his rights, lock him into a statement and take it from there and ratchet it up as, as we need to. So we do the drive back and we get there and knock on the door, dude answers and we come in and say, Hey buddy. I said, we'll come in and talk to you. He said, yeah, come on in and, and got in there. And I, and Brad said, look, before we talk to you, he said, but you're not under arrest or anything, but we just want to advise you your rights. He said, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court law. You have the right to an attorney prior to and during questioning. If you can't afford attorney, attorney will be the point for you. He said, well, what's wrong? Am I under arrest? And I said, no, absolutely not. You are not under arrest. I said, at this point in my career, man, I said, I advise everybody of their Miranda rights because I never know what they're going to tell me. I said, if I go to Burger King and they ask me, May I help you? And what do you want? I advise the worker at Burger King of their rights. I said, it's just habit, right? I said, we just need to talk to you and ask you a couple questions and put it on the record. And he said, okay, okay. And now this guy was no mental giant, right? But um, he, he wasn't mentally handicapped or anything either. And so we sit down and said, so tell us what happened again. I said, start with yesterday from the time your girlfriend leaves to work. And he said, well, she left work about eight o'clock and he said, I had the baby and I put the baby to bed about nine or so. And then that's it. And he said, she came in from work and they ended up calling 911. I said, so that's it. I said, nobody got in the house last night. I said, you told us earlier that you're sleeping right here on the couch. And he said, that's right. I said, so you have the front door here. If somebody came in, they would have to come through and the living room door. I said, and the back door is on the far end of the trail. So if they came through the back door, they would have to walk past you. I said, are you a light sleeper? He said, oh, yeah, I'm a real light sleeper. He said, nobody came in. And I said, what about the windows? I said, this trailer's pretty high off the ground. He said, I don't even think the windows work. He said, we've never opened them. I said, but nobody came in, right? He said, no. I said, well, look, we're going to go check the windows real quick. So we went out and photographed all the windows. If there was no break-in, et cetera. And we came back and sitting, just letting them stew a little bit. And sit down with him again and started recording again and said, Hey, okay, you're right. Looks, none of the windows have been open. They got cobwebs in them. They're all dirty. It just, it doesn't appear that the back door has been forced or the front door has been forced. He said, No, man, I'm telling you that nobody came in. It was just me and the baby here last night. I said, Well, tell me about your girlfriend and your relationship. He said, What do you want to know? I said, Well, how long have you been together? He said, We've been together about three months. And I said, okay, I said, so the baby is not yours. He said, no, it's, it's not my baby. I said, all right. I said, how old are you? And he said, I'm 19. I said, and last night was Friday night, right? He said, yeah. I said, well, you know what? I said, you're a human being. 
I said, I'd like to believe that you're a human being. I said, but there's no ghost or anything in this trailer, right? I said, we just got back from Children's Hospital and that baby is severely burned. And he was, he was just kind of shook his head. I said, what I meant by there's no ghost in here. I, I mean, you know, you, you telling me you put the baby to bed and it was uninjured and you don't know anything else about it. He said, that's right. I said, well, you know what? I said, everybody makes mistakes. All right. I said, now I raised four kids and I know it's a real son of a bitch when a baby starts crying and it won't shut up. I said, now doesn't make you a bad person if you did something to quiet the baby. And he's kind of looking at me. I said, but here's what we can't get around. That baby is severely burned and you were the only one here with it. And when the mom gets in, she finds it burned and they go to children's, right? I said, we just got back and the baby's skin is burned off. It looks like it's been scalded. I said, so nobody broke in. Nobody came in. It's just you and the infant. And I said, you want me to tell you what I think happened? And he said, what? I said, I think the baby was crying its ass off just probably from the time the mama left and a sick baby, man, I said, that would drive you fucking crazy. I said, and you probably just ended up losing your temper and doing something to quiet down. He said, no, no, no. I said, listen, man, it's not your kid. I said, you're 19 years old. I said, where were your friends last night? He said, what do you mean? I said, it's Friday night. You're 19 years old. You're supposed to be out running around chasing pussy and drinking beer. And he's like, yeah. I said, did you talk to your friends last night? He said, they were out partying. I said, well, then that kind of piss you off. I mean, you're here watching somebody else's kid. I said, you didn't make that kid. I mean, you didn't put the sperm inside of her and, and it's not your biological kid. He said, no, it's not my kid. And I said, that's right. I said, so, I mean, you should have been out partying with your friends. You stuck here. You didn't even have a vehicle. And he said, no. He said, and I wanted to be with my friends. And I said, so the baby was crying and was sick. He kind of hung his head a little bit. And I knew we fucking had him. And Brad said, well, tell us, man. And he said, tell us, Hoss, and tell us what happened. He said, it's going to be all right. Whatever you did, you just got to tell the truth so we can explain it. And the guy hesitated. And I said, listen, man, it's going to give one or two ways, dude. I said, so easy. Either you're a monster who did something horrible to that baby or you're a 19 year old kid who should have been out with his friends drinking and having fun. But you were here taking care of another man's child that was sick and crying and you did something to hush it up. I said, where's the kid's dad at? I said, why couldn't he babysit? So you can go party with your friends. He said, I don't know. He, he didn't come around. I said, so look at you. You stepping up like a man. You being the daddy. He said, yeah, I do. I, and I said, you, you have a job? And he said, yeah, yeah, I, I work at a grocery store. I said, look at you. I, mean, I said, you pay the bills here? And he said, I pay some of them. I said, look at you. You're a man. You're stepping up. You're taking care of another man's kid. This dirt bag isn't even around. I bet you he was out fucking partying and chasing pussy last night. He said, I bet he was. And I said, so, you know, I, I, kids don't come with instruction booklets and not your baby. I mean, what are you supposed to do? The baby's crying and, and wouldn't shut up. He's like, yeah, it was crying, man. It's just crying, crying. I said, well, tell me about that. I said, I mean, tell me what happened. 
and he kind of hesitated again. And Brad was like, come on, man, you're right there. You want to tell us the truth. You want to get it off your chest because you're a human being. You're not a monster, right? And he said, no, no, I'm not a monster. I jumped on him. I was like, then you got to tell us, Steve. I said, because it's going to end up really, really bad for you. I said, if this goes before a jury of people, you go to court, you get arrested, and that baby's burnt like that, and there's nobody here but you and them, then they're going to think, mm, it's not his baby, and he's some kind of sadistic fucking animal that would do something to burn a baby. And he said, I'm not an animal, man. I said again, and it's not your kid. So, and you already said the baby was crying and wouldn't shut up. I said, so what'd you do? He said, well, man, I tried. I tried to get to be quiet. I said, I know you did. I closed in the distance, put my hand on his leg. I said, brother, it's okay. Just tell us what you did. I mean, we're, we're on your side. And he said, well, I just, I just tried. He said, I tried to sing to it and I tried rocking it and he just wouldn't shut up. And I said, okay, I get that, man. I, I've raised four of them. Fuck, I know how aggravating that can be. I, I said, I would have done just about anything to get that baby to be quiet. I said, so what'd you do? I said, tell me. Hell, I might need to do it myself next time my kids cry. And he said, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I didn't know what to do. And he said, so I, I went to the kitchen sink. And I turned the water on as hot as I could. And I was like, holy fuck. And, then, and I said, Okay, and, and what'd you do? And he said, baby kept crying, so I held it underneath the hot water and until it stopped crying. And I was like, fuck. I said, so how hot was the water? And he said, it was, he said it was fucking hot. He said it was burning my hands where it was touching it. I said, so like it was like scalding hot. He said, yes, as hot as I could make it. I had it wide open. I said, so you held the baby underneath the water can you tell me what you were seeing happen? He said, the skin got really, really, really red and he shut up. I said, what do you mean? I said, when I held it under the water, the hot, hot water, he finally stopped crying. I said, okay, so how long did you hold him under the water for? He said, I don't know, a minute or two. I said, what part of him did you hold under the water? He said, his, his chest and from his legs to like his neck. He said, I was holding him underneath his knees and underneath his back, his neck. And I held him underneath the water like that, underneath the faucet. I said, okay, so you saw the skin turning red from the hot water. He said, yeah. And I said, what'd you do? He said, he shut up. So I wrapped him in his blanket and I went and put him in his bed. I said, all right. I said, did you go check on him? He said, nope. And it never made another sound. He said, I didn't have to check on him. I said, well, what'd you do after you Wrapped him in the blanket and put him in the bed. He said, I watched some movies. I said, what'd you watch? He said, I watched The Fast and The Furious. I said, well, the race car movie? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, was it good? He said, yeah. He said, I watched that. It was on HBO. And then I, and I watched some other stuff. And he said, until I fell asleep. And uh, she came in this morning and gave me a kiss. And she went to check on him. And that's when... She started freaking out. She was like, what you did? What did you do? And what'd you do? And she said, I told him I didn't do anything to him. I just put him in the bed and he went to sleep. And she called her mama and came over. And look, you know, what a fucking piece of shit, right? And even though he's a young guy and y'all sometimes to get the juice, you have to play up to their sickness or whatever, right? Like me telling them, tell me what you did. I may want to use it on my own kids. And so trying to validate 
his existence, if you will, much less his actions. And he took it hook, line, and sinker. So we walked him through it again. Actually, Brad did. Walked him through it again on Odyssey. He said, okay, look, just so we can be clear, tell me A to Z what happened. And the guy said the same thing. The baby had been crying. He wouldn't shut up. And he tried to rock it and tried to give it a bottle and tried everything that could. And he finally said he just lost his temper and and went and turned the sink water on as hot as it would go and he let it get hot until he saw steam coming off of it and then the baby was still crying and he grabbed it underneath his legs and by the back of the neck and held it under the water and watched the skin turn red and he said and i'll never forget this he said but he stopped crying and brad said what did he do when he stopped crying he said he didn't do anything he just started shaking and he said, so I got a blanket and I wrapped him in the blanket and I put him in the bed. And Brad said, when you put him in the bed, was he still shaking? He said, yeah, but he wasn't crying. And then we asked him, do you have anything you want to add or take away from your statement? And he said, no. I said, everything you said been the truth. He said, yes. I said, we have, have we promised you or threatened you in any way to give this statement today? And he said, no. And we read you Miranda rights. It's on tape. He said, yes. And you freely and voluntarily consented to answer questions. He said, yes. And Brad said, okay. He said, that's going to conclude this taped statement. He said, today's day, such, such time, President myself and Detective Overton and whatever the guy's name was. And then turned the tape statement off. I thought Brad was going to knock that motherfucker out. And Brad stood up and said, now you stand up, you fucking piece of shit and put your hands behind your back. You're under arrest. I was like, what do you mean? And I said, yeah, you're under arrest for whatever we can put the charges on you for. But that's what kind of one that always stuck with me. We took him in and booked him to jail. I think he, he pled out to like 20 years, which is a considerable amount of time when you're 19, even if you do half. And he's probably out of jail now. He probably made parole. But I promise you, he had a hard 10 years for burning that baby up like that. And there were no charges brought against the mom. I mean, it wasn't her fault. She's just a kid trying to eke out a living and take care of a baby. And I'm sure she feels horrible about it. That's why I didn't say the family's name or anything, y'all, or the baby's name. But anyway, that's it. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, this bonus patron tier three and four episode. And I appreciate y'all. And thank you so much for subscribing and supporting us financially on the podcast you patreon members rock and today we passed over eighty-five thousand downloads in 92 countries across the world and you're awesome and we appreciate you and don't forget y'all use your hotline benefits call in any questions or you have about anything it could be about my career or an episode or about the price of eggs in China, I don't care, or call-in statements or bitches or gripes or complaints, whatever you want to know, or if you want to give a shout-out, y'all use the hotline. A lot of y'all do use it, and I appreciate that, but everybody likes your questions, and as soon as we drop the hotline episodes, we always get a couple thousand downloads of it right away, so y'all, if you want to, call it in. If you don't like hearing your voice, send me the text message or text it to that number and I'll read your question for you. So, and you have your other benefits. I mean, tier three and four, you get a really significant discount in the store. I think it's 30% 
and we have a lot of new merchandise up, new designs on T-shirts, including uh, one that says, I don't want no sugar in my coffee, Lord, it makes me mean on the back, and some tanks and different colors and stuff like that, and some different items that Blue Line Graphics has put together for us, and that's the people who do all of our merchandise, and they're awesome. So go to rlrcpodcast.com and check out the merch and use your discount. And I appreciate you listening for your your name to be said at the end of an episode every month. And tier four, when your three months are up, you get your free shirt and you get your video time or phone time, whatever you want to with me. So just hit me up and let me know when you want to do it. And I appreciate and love each and every one of you. You rock. Real life, real crime is awesome. Y'all are the reason that I do it. And as long as you're listening, I'll keep laying down the tracks. Oh, and let's do a sphincter scale on this turd real quick. I forgot that. The sphincter scale. Shit, man. I would say murder by you if you wasn't so young and dumb, but I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a nine on the sphincter scale. I mean, thank God that the baby lived and I, I don't know what the status of the child is today, but I'm hoping it's doing well and I'm hoping it's not carrying too many scars or I don't know what you say about that, right? I just hope it's having the best life that it can have. Anyway, thanks again. And I'm Woody Overton, your host. And don't let me catch you down on murder by you. Oh,